And we're live. Welcome back for another episode. Mind your manners a little bit. Doc had to pull her claws in, but we're ready to get started, I think. Uh, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our guest, Mr. Garrett Michael Brown, introduce himself. That's a mouthful of a name. I thought only serial killers had three names. Uh, it used to be. Now it's trendy to use your middle name because there's just too many people with one. And then there was one for a while. There was a middle initial with a period, and that was the big thing. And now it's just use your whole, use the whole, use whatever you got. Uh, hi, I'm Garrett Michael Brown. I'm an audiobook narrator. Uh, met Mr. Jr. here through uh, doing a, a book about uh, militarized Santa Claus and sci-fi Santa Claus this last holiday season. That was a hell of a lot of fun, and uh, I'm honored to be to be on your podcast and chat about narration and all the things that go involved that are involved. So, so point of correction, you actually oh. met me before that because you were recommended to me by Mr. Jeremy Spires, whose books oh. you narrated. Right, 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 uh, right. right. Yes, uh, we worked together professionally with the Santa anthology, but but I was aware of who you were since you uh, narrated for Jeremy only because his experience with his first narrator was so bad, and we had to listen. Well, we I listened to him complain because he was so frustrated that when he found you, it was like it went from like manic to or depressive to manic, I guess, almost overnight because you were so easy <laughs> for him to work with. It and was, no, I'm not yeah. mocking mental health doc. Don't make faces. I just don't know a better. Example. I wasn't. But anyway, I and wasn't mocking you. Just second nature. I know. And for those of you who are listening, you're talking about the clause. If you think she's mean to me during the episode, you should see the pre-show. I'm just going to say, like, it could be vicious. That's that's her love language. And yet though. you keep coming back for more. Apparently, I'm a glutton for punishment. But so that's how we first, uh, um, I first found him. But Doc, did you know who he was before? I know you listen to a lot of audiobooks. No, the first time I his? ever heard, heard of him, he was whispering sweet Santa ammo-laden nothings into my ear. I like that description. I should use that on the back copy next Christmas. Wow. <laughs> and so blushing, the, blushing, blushing now. If you haven't read the title today, uh, we're interviewing an audiobook narrator. Uh, we've talked to creatives about their books. We've talked about various topics, but the creative process extends past just the written word. And so we thought we'd delve in a little deeper. We've got the room in our, our uh, promised um, output for you guys, dear listeners. So we're going to interview some, some hopefully some actors that do uh, spec fic and audiobook narrators because that's fun stuff too. Uh, just to mix it up a little bit, I don't think Doc or I will ever lose our passion for the written word. I mean, I don't watch hardly any TV. I read all of my entertainment, but I also do a lot of listening. So just just don't ask my kids or my wife, right? I don't listen to them. They tell yeah, you that all the time. And I listen to audiobooks. Male. He's one of those rare males that has listening comprehension skills. Yeah, I just selectively turn it off. What the the brain damage? Okay, the, wait, the war. My ears. Mark it down the calendar. I have officially given Jr. a compliment. That wasn't even a backhanded I one. I feel dirty now. I, I I might need to go to confession or something. I don't know what's about. All right, Doc. Ask him the religion question. <laughs> <laughs> so, getting into our wonderful religion questions. One second. I'm making sure Jr. didn't mess them up at this time. Nope, okay. I feel like I'm Star, Wars? Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Yes, yes, and yes, please. Um, okay. I, do I have to pick just one? No. No, you don't have to pick no. both. Just one. They're all. They're, Star Wars was great. 
it's in a gray area at the moment. Star Trek was great, gray area-ish. Third season of Picard is amazing if you haven't seen it yet. Um, and Firefly is, I mean, it's perfect. It's just perfect. It stopped before it went into its gray area of growing. True. Very true. It's like Very that haircut, you know, sometimes. Well, okay, JR doesn't long. know it. He's stuck with the army haircut for life. <laughs> but uh, you go through that awkward growth period. I understand what you're saying. So now on to fantasy, Game of Thrones, The Wheel of Time, or Willow. Uh, nostalgia is going to go Willow. Um, uh, but Game of Thrones, I think, is probably... I'm honestly not... This is terrible, a terrible thing to admit, but I'm not familiar with Wheel of Time. I've never read or watched it. Um, That's fine. I'm mostly familiar when it almost broke my foot when the one of the books fell on my foot. <laughs> that's, that's, that's high praise. That's high praise. <laughs> no, it's just a lot of gravity. <laughs> I mean, so he's I'm gonna competing go, with gonna Brandon Sanderson. What? So he's competing with Brandon Sanderson as far as book thickness, I think. Or David Weber. Are his that long? I've never seen physical copies. I've only listened. I have no comment for that. I mean, some of them aren't that bad. Some of them are really quick and fast. But getting okay. into this, though, what? Which one's your favorite? Fantasy or sci-fi? Sci-fi. You notice though. You notice really the leading. There was a leading question because she pauses a little bit too long after fantasy. Like you're going to take the hint. But no, it was a swing and a miss on her part. You answered right. I, I can't. I've tried. I mean, some fantasy Game of Thrones kind of stuff. Fantastic. I the the magic stuff never really works for me. It's too easy of an out, I think, as a as a plot contrivance. Um but, but I guess I guess you can say the same thing about sci-fi though. The, can't you? Uh, I mean depending, I think it depends on how it works. Sure. What? I said true. I was going to ask if you needed yeah. a moment because you look like you're processing that. No, I was actually trying to remember the name of the uh, of H.P. Hollow's story in the anthology because he did a beautiful job with that. And it's very fantasy. And um, But I think you're right. Oh, it does have to good? do... It has to be plausible or illogical for fantasy. And science needs to be not so complex. You need a PhD to do it. I agree. And I think you're thinking of the Candy Goose Yes, yes, I am. Yes, I love excellent that memory. That's a, that's a really you know you brought up a really good point. I love that book. I love that story. It was a hell of a lot of fun to do. She's an amazing writer. Um, so all those out there, if you haven't listened to the anthology yet or read the anthology yet, please do so. There's fantastic talent. Yeah, it's and it's set in her universe. She has three novels, maybe more, to go in that universe right. too. That's right. She and I were just talking on Facebook today about. Um, Oh, she posted something about Cocaine Bear. And I, I tried to think, in my mind, the Candy Goose was really high on PCP. She said <laughs> no. She said it, it wasn't. I disagree. As a, as a, as a narrator, you know, I, I read into very high on PCP. I, I, mean... I don't think HP is so sweet and innocent. I don't think she's ever seen anybody on HPCP <laughs> to know. She, she's, she's been snoring those pixie sticks. <laughs> she nailed it. 
<laughs> All right. So what was your first memory of engaging in speculative fiction as a genre? So the fantasy, sci-fi, horror, all the umbrella groups. I got to get a cohesive list about what falls under spec fic besides fantasy, horror, and sci-fi. There's more. I know there is. I mean, there's romance, yeah. but that also might be uh, speculative in more than one way. Oh. Yeah. Is love real? I don't know. I don't think we're Sure. That's what I was going for. Not for years <laughs> was... at all. Okay, moving on. What was your first memory of speculative fiction? I'm sorry, I went and had a whole bunch of meat with my friends, and my brain's in a weird place. What kind of meat? Brazilian. I didn't mean that in a dirty way. I'm sorry. Brazilian (laughs) Nice. With the the swords and everything, and they come along and shave it off at your table, kind of a deal. No, this one you get up and go, but it's still very, very good. I love that. Actually, it's a local place. Jeremy Spires and I last year in Las Vegas went to a Churiscaria kind of place. Um, that was, yeah, those places are fantastic. Anywho, answer your question. Um, high school, I'm going to go with Stephen King. Uh, I got into all of the older Stephen King books, the Christine, Pet Cemetery, Cujo, all the classic ones. And that sort of, I don't know, really spawned a, a thing. Um, for me uh, i'd actually as far as books go i don't remember my first sci-fi book but of course i'm old enough to remember seeing star wars the new hope in the theater for the first time in the late 70s early 80s and that of course like everyone else just kind of started everything okay how's that that's a good answer so what is it about the umbrella genres of speculative fiction that you love what is it that, that appeals to you I love the characters, especially as a narrator. Um, they're just fun. Even some of the more serious stuff, like um, what, The Martian and um, what was his next one? Not Artemis, but I don't know. Uh, like Project <laughs> Hail Mary. Sorry, Project Hail Mary that Ray Porter did. More, more serious, like not super crazy character driven, but there's just something about the characters that are that are rich, that are deep, that are also fun at the same time. I don't know if I could say okay. Dune, but anyway, in most of the time for me, the characters are just, are just so much fun. Okay. Most of the time people talk about the endless possibilities when they're the ones writing it. It, it makes sense for me that you as the narrator would care more about the personalities of the characters. That, that that tracks. Yeah, that makes sense. I like it. So how does your love of speculative fiction as a genre transition into you becoming a voice actor in that space? All right. So we'll go back just a wee, a wee bit. I've wanted to be an audiobook narrator before there were audiobooks. They were still known as books on tape. I remember. And I'd sit at my parents' house when I was probably seven or eight at, with a a Fisher-Price tape recorder. It was red plastic and it flipped up and I'd read into that just to do it and then listen to it back. Um, so I've, I've wanted to do that, wanted to do this forever. I just happened to get really lucky to be able to actually make it work. Um, and then I was a theater actor for a long time and then a chef for a while and blah, 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 blah. Um, and it just sort of rolled from there and it sort of, it's hard to get started with, but then like you, like you brought up, Jeremy Spires and I kind of met on Facebook and just that lightning struck and it just all started going from there and just picked up steam. So okay. I, owe, I owe sci-fi a big thank you. 
as an entree into all of this. So, <clears throat> chef to narrator, that's a, a, a huge dichotomy right there. So, yeah. do you still cook professionally as well? God, no. God, no. You hit your yeah. 40s and that stuff hurts, man. That's oh, just, I was just thinking your voice would be sore from yelling at everyone because every chef I've met, they're yelling. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of yelling. I can still do the chef voice. My kids know. Um, it's more of a bad <laughs> voice now. But, I wonder uh, how much no, it the, like uh, voice. A or lot. Gordon Ramsay voice. A lot. It can st- sound like that a lot. Yeah. Um, Who was nicer as a chef? You or Gordon Ramsay? Oh, me. For sure, me. Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> Actually, here, here's the thing. The character he plays on Hell's Kitchen, and it is a character he plays in Hell's Kitchen, is not really him. In person, he's a lovely man. He's he's a strict chef, like all good chefs would be. But in person, from what I, from people that I've talked to that have actually met him, he's a lovely guy. Like, he's not like that. That's a character. I, I would think that he would be a lovely guy and that would be part character because nobody would want to work with somebody who wasn't like that. Oh, yeah, you do. At least at least back in the 80s and 90s, you sure did. Because yeah. there's like Marco Pura White is a perfect example of it. Psycho, psycho guy. But an amazing chef and including Gordon Ramsay would won't work for him, for, stage with him, work for a couple of years just to learn from him, even while you're being treated like garbage. It yeah, but he has some really long um, mentorship program people. Yeah. But uh, I will admit, I watched. I used to watch a lot of Hell's Kitchen, and the time when he gave a scholarship and a guaranteed spot to the Waffle House cook, it, it was early on. Oh, I missed that entirely. Yeah, he he was like, "Okay, you're getting eliminated, but I'm going to help provide you to go to. I'm going to do a scholarship of sorts and." you're going to then come in when you're done with the training program, come and work in my restaurant. Sure. And I knew in that moment that no matter how mean he may be on the show, he was a good guy because yeah. you don't, and, and that she was a talented cook. Well, but, that's the thing. You can recognize talent. And if you see actual legit talent, especially if they don't know they're talented, you grab them as fast as you can because you yeah, can mold I them will, into whatever you want them to be. Yeah, I had uh, the pleasure of working with somebody who had just gotten off the trail of being a drill sergeant, which that's Mm -hmm. what they call it when they're doing it. Mm -hmm. And he definitely said, it's a character. Yeah. Yeah, it for sure is. So I will admit, though, it was really fun to watch the new new guys stretch out of basic. You pull out that drill sergeant voice, and I swear they wet wet themselves every time. I have no doubt. Yeah. Well, nowadays they just give them hugs and, and, and hold their hands. So we don't have to worry about that. But I don't think having I want said my that, ever hugging me. I don't want them that close. The um, So do you still cook on your own? On, is it like a hobby or? Just for the fam. Um, yeah. But it's, it's fun to be able to cook for people that A, appreciate it and like the food and aren't going to complain about me on Yelp. So you don't feed your children then? <laughs> oh, no. They just know what's good for them and eat it and don't complain. I'm kidding. My I mom used to have something. Pictures. Yeah, my mom had like a sign. Oh, see, mine doesn't. Other about... than ramen, he doesn't appreciate anything I make. <laughs> well, he's a te- the, my mom used to have a sign in the kitchen. It was something about the first to complain with the next meal's cook. It was. I it was like a that. rhyme, though. But yeah, that, that's that's sort of why you learn to shut up and mind yeah. your manners. No, I like that. So, so. <laughs> It's very clear when a when an author is writing how their real life experience could influence the way they tell stories. Do you think there's anything about your your life to date that influences the way you narrate stories? 
Or the voices you pick out. Or the voices you pick out. That's a that's a real good question, guys. My lord. Um. Well, I, I you know we're talking about chef stuff. Uh, every now and then, little cooking things to come up, and that's fun to be able to just kind of fall back into that pattern. Um. Not, I'm not a, a military guy, an ex-military guy, though I come from a very military military family. My grandfather's both sides, my dad, and everyone. Um, I, I noticed you called them militarized. I stopped. I stopped. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, think I it's didn't a, mean to say that. No, it's totally legit. I think it's a glorious term. I didn't mean that in any negative way. I apologize from the bottom of my heart. My mom's an army brat, and then I went into the army. I'd definitely say she was militarized. Okay, got it. Or um, militant, depending on the day of the week. <laughs> militant, yes. It could be a very militant family. That is very true. Um, but drawing from some of from some of that, um, uncles, I mean, God, literally everybody. Yeah, everybody. Um, drawing from drawing from that, me being a chef and talking like I'm, you know, like you said, a drill sergeant, that that helped a lot. Um, otherwise, it's just honestly, I fall more back into the the acting stuff, uh, the musical theater stuff, because um, I, I see. Was that your major? It was, yeah, yeah. Vocal performance, music theater, communications. I know another Very narrator, and his his degree was in Shakespearean theater. So that see, it, it tracks. There's only so much you can do. If you're not going to join the Royal Shakespeare Company, what are you going to do? So this sort of pays, but it's fun. Entertains millions and millions of geeks. Happily, happily, <laughs> anytime. Come so, sorry. Um, uh, these are slightly new questions in case anybody okay. can't tell. <laughs> Do you listen to audiobooks yourself, though? Constantly, yes. Yeah, I go between those and podcasts, but yeah, always have something in. So, but do you listen in the genre you narrate in? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It helps. Um, I'll, I mean, I'll go out occasionally into some other ones. Um, right now, I'm listening to some nonfiction thing about the end of the world, which is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, no, I'll do a lot of science fiction, uh, a lot of R.C. Bray, a lot of Ray Porter, uh, a lot of Scott Brick. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's I okay. definitely listen to that too for sure. So, those are your favorites? Three, yeah, because I mean, yeah. some authors will not touch anything in their genre, really. So, why is that? Hmm? They're afraid yeah. that they're going to steal ideas and get in trouble for plagiarism. Over. Okay, okay, understand. But that. it's it's a it's a it's not something they should be afraid of. I mean, unless you're ripping whole paragraphs inspired by themes of, you're fine, but. Yeah, I, can uh, see I know that. that it's a fear, though, people have. They don't ever want to be accused of, of stealing ideas. But the ideas themselves aren't copyrighted because you can give 10 people the same outline and all 10 of them will tell you a different story. Yeah. Yeah, so. I can see that. I did. I did. I will admit. I, I did mean, we use the myself. same questions and I can't even do it. <laughs> I did. I did catch something last year. I was doing a, a series for Rick Partlow called Star Bounty. And he's, he's got, a good author. Oh, I love him. Um. And he's uh, I'm doing something else for him in May, I think. Anyway, um, but he's got one of the characters. One of the two main characters is a robotic dog. It's a cyborg dog. It's just a robot dog. And he needed a voice. And it's like, well, uh -huh. I happen to be listening to a lot of uh, ex ex uh, expeditionary force. So it started, started coming out like Skippy a little bit. Not good. I don't want that. No, 
So I had to pull that back and change some things up. Otherwise, you're going to get some Skippy coming through the dog, and you don't you don't want that. But so I completely, completely see that for sure. I'm sorry. I know Skippy, and that's hilarious. Thank you. So, Jair is probably like, "Why is Doc?" No, you you were fine. So normally we would ask the authors, you know, what milestones of fandom. One second, I want to ask a very important question. Bring it. Can you listen to your own voice? Nope. I I have to when I proofread and edit. I have to, but not on purpose, not for fun. Hell no. It's you hard. Are, no, I have I, that I'm, same. I have. I've talked with Nick Podell. He hates the sound of his own voice. Oh yeah, we all do. We all I, do. I hate that when I edit the podcast too. When I have to yeah, do it, I'm like, ooh, I sound cringe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I just so, thought it was because good. I am cringe that I didn't like my voice. It, it's possible, <laughs> but. Hey, you know, there's no accounting for taste. So, you know, normally for authors, you know, like seeing a cosplay, fan art, autograph requests, that sort of thing are um, the milestones authors look for that say, you know, I've, I've really started to make it. What would those milestones be for a narrator? Uh, for me, there's a couple of things. One, I had today, as a matter of fact, um, turns out a book I did with Audible Originals last year called No Kindness Too Soon was nominated for an Audi Award. Congratulations. Um, thank you very much. Uh, it was a, a multi, multi-voice multi thing, and it was a fun little sci-fi deal, and I thought it would... I just forgot it when it was done because it was a lot of fun. It played pretty well. And then, as of today, somehow it's nominated in the sci-fi category for an Audi Award. So it's that's a huge one. That is a, just a massive, massive, massive one. Frankly, one I never thought I'd get to. Um... And otherwise, I, I, thank you. I like to, um, I don't know. I, I think another one would just be sort of acceptance and by other narrators who have been in it for a while, um, which is starting to happen. Like just recognition of, oh, you're, you're that guy. You're, you're in the, you're in the group. That's, you're in the group now. Great. I'll take it. Um, but as far as that, I mean, I guess probably sales numbers, but I don't really care too much about the sales numbers um, yet. So I don't know. That's that's the, the only answers I have for you. Oh, I guess. No, I, I lied. Production houses wanting to hire me. Bigger and bigger production houses wanting to hire me is would be a big one. Um, yeah, I think that's good. I'll stay okay. <clears throat> so can you give us the Reader's Digest version of your body of narrated work to date? Sure. If it's sci-fi, sarcastic space adventure, I've probably done it. Um, that's sort of my wheelhouse. Uh, so I've done a lot of, uh, for me, a lot of sci-fi. Um, and I've started doing some offshoots ones. Offshoot ones, I did one with uh, Hachette, which is about, uh, it was a autobiography about a Marine who didn't want to be a Marine anymore and pulled out and the whole, that whole thing. Um Started. Wait, a, I thought really? they were like signed their souls away, and they were not always marine. Not this. Not this gentleman. He ah. was. He, he regretted it. Uh, so, but it was a good book. It was a good book, and it was a lot of fun to do. Uh, I did a thriller for a for a new author. I'm still sort of sort of growing. I've been doing this for a couple of years, three years, three years now. So I'm still sort of growing, and I'm, yeah, we're seeing what's what's coming. But right now, sci-fi seems to be. Oh, I just started this amazing series actually the first to hear about it um trilogy for chris porto called mm -hmm. war of empire 
and the first one's Legacy, and I just started recording it today, and it is, it's unreal how good this is. It's, it's like another level of amazing, and I, it's going to blow everyone away, I think. All right. Well, all of that sounds amazing. And before we dive any deeper into the audiobook legend that is the the Mr. Garrett Michael Brown, we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shield for the man. Uh, and thank you, Terry. And thank you. Uh, okay, Jay these are two of my favorite guys. They're they're amazing. So we should they are. totally roll this. Van. I know this is hard for you to accept or even believe, but you're not imagining this. You're not going crazy. Your grandfather believed right down to the core of his being in protecting those who couldn't protect themselves. You expect me to believe that my grandfather was a star-faring soldier? I can prove it to you. And how are you going to do that? By taking you for a flight. Whenever you're ready, Van. Thank you for sticking with us through that com uh, commercial interlude. Wow, it's like I've never spoken before. But uh, that was a wonderful, wonderful book. I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into the second one. Uh, I just got to find the time. And if I could just add a few more hours to the day, I'd be able to catch up on my reading. Um, now, before we dive into asking him all the questions about him as a narrator, I thought proof of concept would be good. So while this is a second commercial, it's one he narrated. So we thought it was appropriate. Yes, it's Christmas it's in March. Like yeah, yeah there we go. for all of our listeners. All right, so we're going to play this commercial that he recorded for us of the Santa anthology, Sleigh Bells Ring, and you can, you can hear what we're working with. All right. Ho, ho, oh, hell. Is that Sleigh Bells ringing in your ears or a few rounds from an M60? You wanted the jolly fat man to bring Yuletide joy, but the season has gifted you with a heartbreaker and a life taker. Badass Santa. Grab your eggnog and camouflage candy canes. Strap on your bulletproof holiday stockings and prepare for thrills and kills. From bloodstained rebellion at the North Pole to a black ops raid on a distant planet, these 18 action-packed tales will show you Saint Nick as you have never 
seen him before. It's all you'll want for Christmas. All right, I just cut the, the musical interlude off at the end since you've already sat through one commercial. So clearly the man has talent uh, and he can play the, the the hidden story behind that commercial though, Doc. I don't know if you realize it. He was actually playing that music box. He was playing that himself. He's just a humble man. He didn't want you to know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad one so, of you is humble. <laughs> you know it's not JR. I'm like the most humble person. Everyone says so. All right, so so now that you've heard what he can do when he sets his mind to it, all right, Doc, now you get to ask him some questions because this is one of the things you wanted to do. You want to talk to some narrators. Bring it. Yes. So do you have a favorite narrator? We already asked him that one. Ray oh, Porter. I think Ray oh, Porter yeah. is my favorite. All right. It sort of changes, but Ray Porter, it was Bray, R.C. Bray for a while, and then it's Ray Porter and Scott Bricks just always amazing. So when you pick a narrator, if, if they're not your favorite, do you have any pet peeves? Like... For me, if they sound like a robot, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they have to actually be in the story. I do have a not favorite narrator. I'm not going to say it. No, we're not gonna. We're not gonna. We're no. not gonna down. No, but in his, in his, in this person, uh, he would not. It's very clear he doesn't prep things ahead of time, so it's just sort of going along, and it might as well just be an AI kind of voice going along and not really highlighting or anything like that if yeah you can't listen i will admit when i started reading audiobooks that's what i thought i was getting myself into yeah i'm so glad i was wrong yeah me too <laughs> so the, the um, funny thing is there's a narrator that actually voices what people think of as the ai voice and so she started a tiktok where she would talk and then people would freak out because then it would break script because it was really her voice and so she would interrupt her own audio ai voice with her voice and, and mess with people that way just for the fun of it that's really funny oh i i love the honest on it uh the eight honest hr it's an audiobook narrator and she'll read these like crazy scripts and they're what you're really thinking in the hr meetings huh. what you're doing mandatory training honest hr i so, like it i have to check that out yeah the, uh, yeah. the, the other one that's fun with narrators is some of the voice actors that do the um the warhammer games mm -hmm. will then go the, they'll go and they'll start playing or maybe it's not warhammer it's just video games they're going in and playing video games in open lobbies and they just randomly join teams and then mock <laughs> his own voice and people are like wait is this really him or is he just this good at faking that's and he'd go back and forth until they guessed it right. <laughs> and then he'd like give him a free something or another. But I thought that was pretty funny. That's really funny. I like it. So have you done any video games? Nah, that yet. is no. funny. So Work. do you want to do video up? games? Yes. Yes. I want to do video games and commercials and industrial voiceovers and the whole the whole nine yards. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so a very very competitive industry, and it's so many people doing it right now. It's hard to break in. So, what do you have in the way of formal training? Do you need for formal training? Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I that's the answer. To that. I don't know if you do or not. I I have formal training in acting and singing and sort of musicality and that kind of and that kind of thing. I, as far as character voices and all that, no. I, I did some coaching with some acting coaches to when I first started doing the narration thing, just to make sure I wasn't, you know, making an ass out of myself. And uh, that's, that's kind of all I got. So 
when I find out the answer to that question, I'll let you know. So going kind of into that, if you have to do a different um, accent, do yeah. you, how do you research that? Uh, YouTube is a wonderful service. Um, they've got a whole, like it's a whole thing on YouTube of people in different countries just saying the same list of words. Oh. So you can sort of compare back and forth. Um, accents is just sort of something I have done over the years. So I've picked up a decent amount of them, but, uh, yeah, YouTube's great. And there's, there's manuals for actors and stuff that, you know, you can download examples on what to hit and what, what, uh, vowels to hit what way and how to do the, the D's and all that. Okay. Kind of stuff. Do you have a preference? Yeah. In the... Go ahead, doc. I didn't mean we started at the same time. Oh no, no. I was going to say, I just imagine you can't really travel to every country in the world to just sit there and listen. No, It'd be no. Cool if you could, it would be life goals. Life so goals. do you have a favorite style of narration? So I know roughly, cause we talked about this with the people from sound booth, there's the straight read. There's the sort of uh, almost theatrical sometimes with music and stuff in, in the solo narrated audiobook, And then there's the ensemble cast of the three rough styles. Do you have a preference? I, I like the middle one. I like the, the theatrical one. I, I don't such a douchey thing to say. I don't read them so much as I perform them. That's why okay. I like audiobooks that says performed by. Um, because I, I really like the characterizations and I like getting behind them and finding their backstory and all that kind of fun stuff and how, why they are the way they are and how do you make this person on a page into an actual three-dimensional person with a history and where they came from and why their accent is the way they are. Maybe it's a little bit of Boston. It's a little bit of New York. And how do you do that kind of thing? Um, so it's fine. I, I did. That's the one I did for hash out was just a straight read. So that was do you, like, do you ever reach? I'm sorry. Do you ever end up going back to the author and being like, Hey, I need some more information about this character so that I can actually do this character. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a really common thing. It's part of the prep process. So I'll, I'll get the manuscript and I'll go through and I'll highlight everyone's voice in a different color. And uh, I annotate there and then make little notes about what I think each character is and who they are. And if they're not, they, yeah, I'll reach out and say, Hey, what are these words? Um, Cause usually it's sci-fi stuff and all kinds of funny alien languages. And I have no idea what it's supposed to sound like. So help me. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's, there's, Sometimes I will need some some backstory to certain characters and why why they're doing one thing or the other in a in a future book. Is it going to come out? Is something going to come out? And that's why that's doing this thing now. I, I don't know. Help me. As much information as we can get, the better. Yeah, I actually talked with uh, Davis Ashura and Robert Ross and a couple other authors, and they said that that act that working with their narrator and their narrator coming back and ask asking them helped them create deeper characters. I bet it does. Yeah. Absolutely. When you're forced to look at forced to look at something, you have no choice but to try to find answers for it, I guess. So when I worked with Jeffrey Kafer for my first series, I got lucky that Podium picked it up and hired him to do it, which was really weird because he used to he also has narrated romance. So I would always hear my my wife listening to it. And I'm like, this is not the voice. I It's a little bit of, you know, because she would listen to the to the naughty stuff with him. I'm like, eh. um, but one of the things I, I learned with working with him is. It's, yeah, Doc, it's that cringe. But some of the things that you use when you read it on a page, like certain words, like said, 
they just blur into the background and you don't really notice them. But when you hear yeah. somebody reading it to you or performing it, those words stick out. So you, the concept of like word echoes and how things sound when you say them out loud versus just reading it in your head, like and it, it makes you a better writer, I think, too, when you're writing to be narrated. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Uh, with me, it's often the overuse of pronouns. Like you'll get three or four paragraphs without a name mentioned. He said this and she said this thing. And by the end of it, you're completely confused as to who said what to whom where. Um, I have that problem reading books. I will literally trace back. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely have to do that, too. Yeah. Change colors. So, yeah. Have you ever gotten it wrong because of that? Where you like, oh, this is Bob speaking and it was Jeremy and you got it wrong? Absolutely. And you Wrong. had to go fix the accent or something? Absolutely. Fix the character voice. I yeah. once, I once, this is the worst one that happened so far, the, the little thriller I mentioned before. Um, it was a really, really fun little book, but apparently I had the age of the, the female lead wrong. He wanted her older and I was doing too young. So I had to go back and re-record all of her lines in the entire book because I it was on me to ask and make sure I had all the information and oh. I didn't. So the audio editing on that alone would drive you bonkers. Yes. You have my sympathy. Yes, it did. Thank you. Yeah, but it was, it was worth it. And it turned out to be a, a fun little book, but. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things you learn as you go. Oh, so oh, you, absolutely. you Do mentioned you have... that you have, go ahead, doc. Important question here. Do you have a favorite genre to narrate? Right now, uh, right now it's sci-fi. I know it's it's. I'm beating the same drum here, but I'm really, really digging the sci-fi thing. But like, is it a specific niche of sci-fi? Jr. likes to tell me how there's all these subgenres. I really love sarcastic, fun, adventurous space operas. Perfect case in point: book series I did last year called Interstellar Gunrunner by James Wolanick. Probably my favorite thing that I've done. It's it's just the most fun outrageous great characters adventure filled it's just so much fun and it's very snarky and it's so, very sarcastic so do you like these and those particularly because that's your favorite thing to read like do these mimic like i watch very different tv than i read right um that's a good that's a good question actually i haven't really made that distinction i, I do listen to some kind of snarky sci-fi stuff like Expeditionary Force. Um, but I was listened to a lot of other stuff. Like I just finished Shogun by James Clavell. And uh, and and like I said, I'm doing listening to a nonfiction thing right now. Um, so I I love I love performing them. I don't know that I would choose to read nothing but them all the time, but send, That's fair. send them Variety. To, to, to record and I'll do it all day long. Variety is a spice of life. And you know, um but I imagine other than authors and editors, you probably get more into a book than anybody other than a diehard fan. I, yeah, I would. That's a really good way of putting it. I have, I have literally cried like recording a book because of stuff that happened or when it ended and you feel that, that loss, like that book. That really cathartic into. moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, this happened. And it's, Oh, I can't. And you just take a break and come back to it later. But it's, yeah, no, it, you just sort of become one. You achieve oneness with the book, I guess. So do you ever do multiple projects at once? Or do you have to do one at a time so that way you keep the voices and stuff? I have to do one at a time. I'll, I'm always prepping one and recording one. So I'll, 
uh, while I'm prepping, I'm recording one. I'm prepping the one that's going to come next, and it just kind of keeps rolling after that. Okay. Are there any genres? Yeah, I can see that getting confusing. Are there any genres you won't do? Not yet. Not yet. I'm, I'm sure there will be one, but as of now, no. I haven't been asked to do a romance really, yet, so we'll see what happens when that comes up. I really think that it that you should do Eddie Sky's books. I'm not familiar. I'm so sorry. Eddie Sky, uh, Titans Mange. Okay. You should definitely do Eddie Sky's books. I would pay for that. Eddie Sky is that is that the lit RPG erotica stuff that's out there? It's not lit RPG. It's just erotica. <laughs> well, I'll do a okay. five-minute snippet and send it to you. You can tell me what you think. How's that? Oh, there you go. <laughs> just, just I'm, I'm going to reach out and tell Eddie Sky that you have to do it. Please do. Send it so, on. So <laughs> what, uh, what is preparing for an audiobook look like, and, and is any one genre harder than another? Well, um... <laughs> Uh, 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 the the hard part would be if you have a lot of different characters with a ton of different accents and it's all very complicated and complex and you have to jump back and forth between three or four like an Australian God, this book I did, I had to do an Australian or New Zealand accent and a Boston accent and then a Southern accent and it just keeps going back and forth and that that can get really out of hand very quickly um, I th Yeah, and I, I will admit I think as a narrator and a listen as a listener is very important that the narrator have that distinctive voice per character mm -hmm. so that you know who you're listening to absolutely and, but and i'm always i'm blown away by by um narrators like scott brick for example who doesn't really he doesn't do a specific character voice to everything that's sort of outlandish it's his voice but you can tell the difference between them all somehow or uh oh my god the expanse novels um, yes, I'm should bash my head against the wall right now because I can't remember the name of the name. Jeffrey Mace, um, he does that. It's not it's like there'll be a general female voice and there'll be a general male voice, but you can always tell who's who, and I have no idea why because they all sound the same. But you still know how that that is some sort of godlike talent. I wish I had. Maybe I'll learn. I don't know how you do that, but he does it, and it's just unreal. Nick Fodell does a really good job with it, but he and he does a very good job of female voices. Yeah, it's yeah, a disturbingly good job of female <laughs> voices. So, it's are there any are there any books that you look at and be like, no, nah, this really needs a female narrator when you get them, or will you take those two? No, I'll take those two. I'm not I'm not big enough yet to so to be that discriminating as far as what I think needs to happen. Um, right now. The publishing houses I work with most right now is uh, Athon Audio, um, and they they know it works for me, and they just give me the stuff that works for me, and I know it works, and it's 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 a great little team up situation. Um, so I've only done one multicast, and that was the one that just got uh, nominated for the Audi. So I don't and know. Again, congratulations! Uh, thank you. I'd love to do the uh, uh, a duet sometime with somebody, but it has not has not occurred yet. Now, are, with those, you did an ensemble cast. When you did that one for audio, uh, for Audible, was that them producing and you just reading your script, or did you actually have to do the back end stuff too? No, it was wonderful. I did this just like this with you guys. The whole cast was up there, and we all just, it was like a table read. It was so cool. Um, and they took care of all of that. I mean, we were all recording ourselves on our own stuff and then had to 
send it on to Audible and all that, but they took care of all of the editing and proofreading and mastering and all that. Other hey, did you tell us which book this is? It's called No Kindness Too Soon. Very cool. I like the name. Sylvain Nouvelle. I th- please don't hit me if I'm wrong, Sylvain. I think that's how it's pronounced. I mispronounce so, people all the time. Me too. Like JR is JR Hansy. <laughs> I mean, I give an excuse. I'm hard of hearing. I got blown up a bunch of times. So, oh, what's your excuse, yeah. Doc? I have CAP. Ten, okay, the ten and ten and the ringing in the ears. See, that makes it hard tinnitus. sometimes. Oh yeah, tinnitus. I couldn't pronounce it for a second. So, that's my job. how long? <laughs> that's right. That's why we hire you. So, how long does it take you to record? Say, say, you know, we're looking at a finished product. We'll use ten because it's even. The audiobook is ten hours long. How long did it take you, on average, to actually do your part of it? It's probably more than ten hours. Two weeks. Two weeks, four to six hours a day. Um, is is yeah, ten hour long book I can do in about two weeks now, but that includes the prep that includes recording that includes proofreading editing mastering uploading all that all that kind of fun stuff so roughly 40 hours of work to 10 hours of final product so 4 to 1 ratio that's not too bad yeah let's that's that's about normal actually yeah thank you for putting it that way that's very succinct well, I've I've worked with a couple other narrators just because uh, Veronica Chiquer and yeah. uh, Paul Cooley are friends through their podcast and I've known them. She is, but I mean, I've been talking. I talked to both of them since I started writing in 2016, just in general. So you kind of get an idea of the. That's why they do the per finished hour rate instead of how long they work. Yep. Because the numbers would be a lot different oh, yeah. if they if you got paid for every second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's four to one. That's about that's about reasonable yeah that's about right all right doc what what questions do you want to ask the narrator because you've always wanted to do these interviews so i'm gonna put you on the spot since you asked the prepped ones already i'm here for you i'll use my erotica oh. voice oh <laughs> finally somebody is here for me cjr he's so sweet i'm here for you talk to me <laughs> what do you want to know <laughs> So are there any are there any genres you really want to do that you haven't done yet? Ah. Uh, not really. No. Not really. I've done some really fun World War II stuff for Craig DeLouis. That's that's what I really wanted to do and I did it and it's Most so people fun. don't put World War II and fun together. I know, record. but it, oh my god, it's so much fun to do. I did this series for him called Armor. That was the first thing I did for him. And uh, it was a five book series about a tank crew in World War II that goes from North Africa all the way through the end of the war in Germany. It was so fun. How in depth did they get into the the, the way they spoke? Because they're the way they would have spoken back then and yeah. the way we think now would not. The, very. It would have been different. He got very into it. Um, are you familiar with Craig DeLouis by any chance? Uh, I am. The children and all that. Um, I would I'll send you a code if I still have one because I think you'll love it. I just did another one for him called Strike about uh carrier based stuff in World War II. And it was so, Battle of Midway. It was so fun. Um he he researches he researches his books very, very diligently and knows all the technical aspects of all the different tanks and all the different planes and all the different submarines. Like he did the crash dive series that RC Bray narrated for him. It's just so good. Um and there's a lot of a lot of tankers that will listen to this stuff and and like put reviews up like yep that was right that was right that was right and we got World War II tank aficionados and 
they're just like, yep, that's right, that's right, and you miss this little thing here, but otherwise, yeah, that's right, that's right. But it it was it was a lot of fun. The um the treadheads they have a little bit of an inferiority complex, so they always <laughs> want to prove they're as cool as the infantry. So they will overcompensate with the actually in the comment section if you get anything wrong. Uh, Sometimes I'll do I, things I, wrong just to troll them. He, he Craig was worried I, about I the, have, the navy people. So I'm sorry. Yeah. I've seen so many pet bros that do that regardless of branch. I can see that. I mean, I'll it do it. Worse. Uh, I, I do it just to mess with them, but it could be worse because we all are unified in our overall hatred of the Cav Scout and the MP. So we, we can unite together hey, on that front. Hey, hey, I like the Cav Scouts. I mean, they're almost infantry, I guess, in that sort of feminine little brother kind of way. <laughs> I'll be over here. You guys just do the thing. So, so getting back on track, my doc all tries to pick her chin up. Go to JR from this episode. <laughs> bring it, bring it. I'll, I'll meme you to death. You, you, you know will what? never see it coming. Everybody's favorite little sister is Space Force, so just be nice. The potato heads. So for your studio, I know I've talked to other narrators, yeah. and some of them bought kits, I guess you can get, to sort of pre-make their studio. Some people are hiding in closets, literally, and some people build it themselves. So what did you do for your studio? I started off in my wife's closet. Um, she's got a nice big closet. And she let me use that. Nice um, I was yeah. I was in there for two years. I was in the closet for. Did she years. let you do it on your shoes? <laughs> I'm sorry. I missed that doc. What's that? She, she asked about, about her shoes. I was just, I was just impressed that she let you live with her shoes. She's she's a very loving, giving woman. It's it's a it's a nice it's a nice balance. I got very lucky. Um, and then when we realized this thing was going to sort of take off and, and sort of taking off, um, we got a, a whisper room, um, which is what I'm in right now. Um, and they do nothing but studios. That's their entire purpose uh, for musicians and uh, voiceover <laughs> professionals and news studios and all that kind of stuff. So I got that. So that's what, that's my studio. I, I've heard the complaints of people who don't have studios that constantly like, oh, the guy's mowing his yard again. I have to stop or, you know, the weed whacker or whatever, yeah. like messing him up. Yeah. So, so I'm in Seattle and I live about 12 miles from SeaTac Airport, one of the busiest Ooh. airports in the country. And we've got three different Navy and Air Force bases within 100 miles. Um, so, yeah, planes are a, a constant fun thing, which thank you for reminding me is one of the big reasons we needed this. We tried it two or three different iterations with like pipe and drape with moving blankets and then the, that closet. And then, but then this, that had to be this. Okay. I am yeah. laughing so hard because I served at, Big, at Fort Bliss on Biggs Army Airfield and our Sergeant Major got so freaking fed up because it shares a fence line with the El Paso airport. Yeah as well as being an airfield, that he started scheduling formations around the plane flights. <laughs> because he was so it. sick and tired of it. I can see that. I can see that. I went to college at University of Puget Sound down in Tacoma, which is right next to uh, uh, Joint Base Lewis-McChord. So you've got okay. Army, you know. And they would use the color post in the middle of our quad as a as a target for for formation bombing and stuff like that so we'd get six in the morning on a saturday or sunday we'd get f-16 screaming down like in formation and then pulling off or a-10s in formation going into land 200 feet of over the school tasing was... the civilians huh oh my god yeah 
I got real good at impersonating though. I mean, it's but it was you know I, like I said, coming from a military family, I was in heaven. I loved every second of it. Um, so, how big is your studio? Like when you when you measure it, how much space do you have to have to make it work? Uh mine is six by three. Oh, so you went for the smallest viable size? You don't get claustrophobic didn't. in there? They have smaller. They have smaller. Wow. They have like step in two by twos and stand up the whole time. Or I think I could have gotten like a, a four by four and make that work, but this this made more sense. So I would it's, go, it's, it's four by six, I think. That would feel like a coffin at a certain point. It's better than a closet. Well, we're glad you came out of the closet. Me too. Me too. I feel I feel good about myself. I feel comfortable <laughs> with who I am. So and no so one has to hide in the closet. No one needs to hide in the closet ever. You just let your freak flag fly, man. Do what you got to do. Absolutely. So what was the very first thing you recorded? It doesn't have to be your very first professional work, but what was the very doc? We're going to try to pretend we're professionals here. We've done this before. Deep breaths. What was Wait, your very first you recording? Again? <laughs> Garrett. So what was your yeah. first uh, recorded story that you narrated? And it doesn't uh, have to be one you told. Oh no. The, the first narrated story that I ever did uh, sort of talked about already. It was, the old woman who ate a spider and it was into my Fisher price tape recorder when I was like seven years old. There was an okay. old woman who God, how does that go? She ate a spider. There was an old forget. woman who lived in a shoe. Yeah. But there was another yeah. old woman who ate a spider and I don't remember. How I have no idea though. what you're talking about. Do you still have that cassette? Like you could like, you know, I wish, Oh my God, I wish I did. No, I don't. I don't. Um, release that for posterity i guess that's the equivalent <laughs> of an author releasing the first thing they ever wrote yeah probably probably no i did some industrials uh 20 something years ago just for like you're working in a factory and this is what this person does actually it was for it was for an automated external defibrillator by medtronic <laughs> and this is how you okay that was that was the first thing i recorded even sort of professionally yeah so we've talked about things mostly because the the a look at the life of. So we do have some authors that listen to us. Are there anything you wish they did or they knew about the narration process before they hired somebody? Uh, honestly, it's sort of what we've touched on already. Have Give your narrator as much information as you think, more, more than you think they need. Um, because we'll use every scrap of it. Um, so yeah, give them everything they need. Edit, 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 edit as well as you possibly can. Have somebody else edit it for you. Just edit the hell out of it. Because it there's nothing worse than going along and you're really working and I'm doing this thing and I've got this character voice. And then there's this massive shift or it's like a word's repeated three times or there's something doesn't work. It's just, poor editing can just take a narrator out of what they're doing so fast. And it that's not what you're paying us so for. I'm sorry, go ahead. So what is your least favorite word to say? My least favorite word to say. The one I get screwed up on more than anything else is sure. soldiers and shoulders. Every time, <laughs> especially if it's a military sci-fi book, if it says soldiers, I'll say shoulders. And if it says shoulders, I'll say soldier. Every goddamn time. I don't know why. That's that's the one that gets me most often. And carbine took me a while, but it's not carbine. It's carbine. From what I understand, Jr. 
No, Did that's he's, the one that gets me is when they say corpsman instead of corpsman or marine corpse instead of marine corps. I grew up on a you know outside of a navy base, so there were marines all the time just munching on their little crowns, <laughs> and they get really upset if you say that wrong. Corpsman. So, yeah, corpsman. I can see that. I can see that. Or, or uh, I listened to one. Um, it was one of Terry Mixon's, and it was not Veronica who narrated it. Instead of um, route, like a military route, as in they got their butts kicked, she said root. Oh, yeah. Like So I guess they're tripping over the trees and the foliage. <laughs> that was a funny one. Uh, and they mispronounced adjutant. I don't remember how she said it, but adjutant's an actual official military position in, yeah. in a military unit. Older word, but... And, oh, she said adjutant was what it was. And I'm just like, ooh, no. And the, the, the military words no one knows. And it's once you don't even think to write down that you would need to give a narrator because you just, you know the words. So why would you need to tell them common words? And you realize how much each individual profession has their own lingo that people outside of it might not know. I screwed up material so, by calling it material. That didn't go over. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Most people wouldn't have caught that though. Craig DeLouis did that son of a gun. <laughs> so there is a i watch youtube videos on on using my air fryer better because you know i'm teaching myself to cook and there's this one lady very southern speaks very slow so i listen to her on like 2x speed and then it just sounds like she's talking normal and i realize it's kind of hypocritical i talk fast having said that uh would you are you offended when you hear people like oh i listen to this audiobook at you know 1.5 speed does that bug no. you no, not at all. People people know what works for them and works for their brain patterns. And as long as they're getting the information and enjoying it, they can listen to it at fast forward. I don't care as long as they enjoy what, what I'm doing. I've heard some narrators get upset about that. Like, no, you don't tell your narrator that. So I'm just... I mean, it's once we're done recording and send it in or upload it or wherever, we're done. That's it. Like we step out of it. It's no it's not ours anymore. I, I'm very proud of what I do, and I'm, we're all very proud of what we do, and we hope you enjoy it, but you enjoy it in the way that's going to make you the most enjoyment or get the most enjoyment out of it. I don't care. So, so what are your... Go and roll around on the floor and listen. Great. Knock yourself out. Do it at 15 times speed. Knock yourself out. So, <laughs> now you're cooking with Crisco. Um, so Back in the what are your... I'm Southern. <laughs> I love Crisco. Nice. So what are your thoughts about picking up a series midstream? So like, you know, if, if the, for whatever reason, you know, you pick up at book four and you start narrating a series, does that bug you? Do you go have to go back and listen to the first three? Like, how does that work for you? I haven't done that. Uh, I'm in the middle of a 12 book series that the original narrator didn't work out after getting through three of them. So I'm going back and have to redo those three and then move on. So I've redone books that uh, that other narrators have done, but I've not, I haven't come into a series that's halfway done and then now it's mine. So did you did you listen to the first three before you started them? Absolutely not. No, I actually get that because you don't want to mimic it; you want it to be different. My take is my take, and his take is his take, and that's and that's great. He would have had to if he was picking up mid-series because he wants to get yeah. the pronunciations of names and stuff right, I imagine. That I would have done, yeah, because there's going to be a, a narrative flow to the whole thing. There's, the narrator would have spoken a certain way. He would have said certain characters in certain ways. I mean, I've, I've been – I'm a huge audiobook fan. I was listening to audiobooks long before I ever recorded them. And, you know, it's, yeah, sometimes our, our authors or narrators do change, and that bugs the hell out of me because they – it just – it's – yeah, it doesn't work. I've seen one to a one story series, and I cannot remember it where it worked really well. Hmm. But I think 
the author also changed perspective too during that it. would help and yeah, so the author would be helpful yeah i th i think if i recall correctly like the author actually changed who the main character narrating it was so it worked that that so, yeah that would help so this is back to you as a consumer of products because you mentioned sure. you listen to audiobooks as well so when i listen to um, certain, like when I hear Luke Daniels in my head, I always go back to the Ember Wars by Richard Fox because he mm -hmm. narrated that whole universe. Right. So, right. like, do you ever worry, like, when you listen to someone and if you heard, like, Luke Daniels, I don't know, if, you, if, if he's the voice of the Ember Wars for you, for example, and then you listen to him in something else, does that ever be like, no, 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 you, it's the wrong franchise. What are you doing? Like, no, do you ever no. get that? No. no, I don't think so. Not not for me, anyway, because I, I know, you know, you can't just do one franchise and make any kind of living on this. Um, okay, no, I, yeah, but I have like three friends who have Nick Podell books, and I cannot mm -hmm. listen to the three different books back to back. Why? Why do we have it? No, I'm I don't here. know. Yeah, Doc, you're here. He asked why, why? you can't listen to the back. It's yeah. weird because I start thinking that. Um, okay, because if I listen to Robert Ross. Nick Pradell book, mm -hmm. and then I listen to Davis Ashura's Nick Pradell book, and then Luke Kamekalo's Nick Pradell book. I start to get the characters confused. I can see that, and yeah, and I can start, and I'm like, because Nick has a distinctive like young female voice, and and I mean they are subtly different, but it's like, is that that character just and she's having a bad day, or am I listening to a different series? So I will literally like what he had a month where the new book and three different series that he narrates that I read all came out. And normally I would just binge them, but I actually had to like, take a break, read a different book, take a break. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so, I can definitely see that. I can see like getting exhaustion from one, one narrator. Like I love RC Bray. I can't do more than one or two books of his in a row. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. I can see it just sort of becomes muddled. You sort of forget. So have you gone it. to any conventions yet though? No. Not yet. You have Didn't to tell them. 20... What? Uh, you went to 20 books with Jeremy, right? Oh, that convention. Yes. Yes. That kind of convention. Yes. I've been to 20 books twice. No, so... no, no. Like a fun fandom convention. You know, where somebody <laughs> can say something awkward yet true. Like, I've listened to you while I fall asleep. Uh, no, not yet. I Someday. Someday. When I Do you look forward to that? Library, I think. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Who doesn't love a good side of cringe? Yeah. Please tell me how you sleep listening to me. <laughs> Do I influence your dreams? Talk to so, me. Who who does your audiobook like post production? Are you doing that yourself or do you have help? You uh, it, yeah, most of it I do it myself. The the bigger studios, Hachette and um, Blackstone, they do all of that. But uh, no, when it's when it's me and I do the stuff for Athon and just or me, just Charlie Cooper Audio, it's it's just me. Not the most fun part of the whole thing, but it's necessary. So at a certain point in time, you'll get big enough, you'll be able to subcontract that out. I know some narrators that I've that I like, I've started having to do that. Yeah, I would love to be able to do that, but I would lose more money than I'm making on the book. So it doesn't as right now, it doesn't make any sense. But eventually. Sure. So do you have an opinion? I know right now, and this is our last question, and then we'll, sure. we'll wrap it up. Uh, there's a lot of complaints about some of the AI generated audiobook narration because they uh 
but it's believed that they potentially used people's voices without their permission to train the machines. So do you have an insight as an insider on, or at least a formed opinion on that one? Yeah, they are absolutely doing that. Um, it's it's terrifying. It's going to put us all out of work. Um, it's We have a ways they to go. They are doing We're not, it. Yeah, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's it's going to get there, I, I'm afraid, at some point. Um, whether they'll ever be able to actually emote yeah. as well as the human So, Jer, where this... I'm sorry, go ahead. Doc, your, connect, oh, your connection is lagging. Jr. the thing is, it's not that they're apparent. It's less that they're apparently doing it and more that they've put this default clause in and find a way and apparently now maybe even Spotify... And the yeah. author has to be the one to email to opt out after they've signed the contract. Hmm. That, is, okay. that is exactly true. Now I'm going to have to go check my audio. Books. I've been Most of them are through small press. Most of mine are through small press, so I don't I don't actually own the IP for those. But it's definitely something to think about. I know that it, the reason I was thinking about it is because Clark World, the magazine, it's like one of the longer running sci-fi magazines, mm -hmm. just announced they had to close submissions because they were inundated with people sending AI-created stories with yeah. those AI. I don't know if it's chatbot or, or what they're using. Because my understanding is the AI is not that good yet for writing stories. but It's not. It's going to get there, but not yet. It, it flooded the servers. I have read some stories where it was AI written, but then he, the person spent so much time cleaning it up that it, you couldn't tell. Mm. It wasn't great. It wasn't horrible. It was just meh. Um, but at a certain point in time, where's the line between the, the robot and the narrator or the, the author cleaning it up, you know, to figure out how much is what? I yeah. don't know. But it's interesting. The cover art's really right. the same thing. Cover artists. I mean, they're people just having AI do cover art and they don't need to pay an artist for it anymore either. Well, apparently Amazon's really cracking down on that. So oh, I had not heard that. That that makes me happy. Thank you for saying. Yeah. That. So uh, clearly this is winding down, um, but we could you know take more of your time. But I understand you got books to narrate and wives to feed, and I do have a, a baby to put down. Yeah. Yeah. So before we wrap this up, was there anything about the wild world of Garrett Michael Brown's audio uh, narration that we didn't ask that you wanted to tell us about? No, man, I think it, this is a lot of fun. I, I, I don't have any uh, hanging questions I need to get out. Um, no, it was, Ed, I'm having a great time with it. I very much appreciate you letting me uh, play with you guys on Santa Claus and killing a bunch of things. Uh, it, was, it was a hell of a lot of fun. And I look forward to doing it uh, again this fall. And actually, no, yeah, it's audible. Uh, so speaking of needing to get stuff automated, they need to fix their back end. But anyway, yeah. so before we let you go, dear listener, we wanted to hearken back to our roots as listeners, readers, viewers, uh, and ask you to please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers and listeners find the right books and audiobooks. One second. I'm going to add a caveat to JR because he doesn't add lib well. And if you listened via audiobook, include it in your review if you like the narration. Yeah, that, thank you for that. Did you hear me, Jared? Did it last? Yeah, I heard you. The um, if you review if you review it on audio, I, when, I, when I do reviews, I have to say if I do them on audio. Yeah, no, 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 no. Audible. But like when I do a book review for an audiobook on TikTok, I say whether or not I like the not narrator, and I try to remember to yeah. say who the narrator was. Yeah, I do that when I write my, uh, my reviews. It is. Uh, and that lets us know that we're doing a good job, or if not, what we need to improve on. 
Yeah, but right, I don't so, think Goodreads uh, has a specific spot is why I'm adding it. Fair. I don't think you can on BookBub specifically either. So uh, Garrett, Michael Brown, I say your full name so they know how to look for you, but can you tell listeners uh, and viewers how they can find you? And it'll be in the show sure, notes as you know. Sure. sure. Uh, I'm on, I have my own little website, Garrett. I know it's Charlie Cooper audio. It's confusing. CharlieCooperAudio.com. That's my name, my little publishing studio. Um, I've got uh, Facebook. You can look me up Garrett Michael Brown there or Charlie Cooper audio on Facebook as well. Uh, Instagram, Garrett Michael Brown 555 or Charlie Cooper Audio on Instagram. Uh, or you can just research me on uh, on Audible and uh, my library will come up there. He is also in the uh, the Blasters and Blades Facebook group. So if you tag him when you have questions and you're talking audiobooks, he can nerd out with you because he'll get the alerts. Assuming like a billion people don't do it all at once and break his, his Facebook. But, you know. Famous people problems. So yeah. you can find us on our Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email the show at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Again, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. Send all hate mail to JR. JR Haley at blasterandblades.com. We promise that's a real email address. There might be a real JR out there who has that email address and he's like, I don't know who these idiots are, but they keep sending me letters. Um, we have a Facebook group, uh, which is facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. That's where all the shenanigans happen. You can find us on our Facebook page as well, which we are starting to get more active on. We just need a few more followers so we can get a dedicated URL. But until then, Google blasters and blades Facebook page in Facebook or search it in Facebook and you can find us. And finally, we have a website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades again anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades where you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month you can help keep the lights on or you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley again buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley where you can help keep the lights on be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast and i promise i will keep my co-hosts doc seska and nick garber duly caffeinated they will drink until their liver explodes that sounds dangerous Never. <laughs> All right. And since Doc is, is lagging, uh, yeah, for some reason, I'm gonna, I am going to read the exit so that way we can we can go smoothly. But before I do, you're, you're lagging, Doc. It's not my fault. It's your Wi-Fi. Uh, Garrett, uh, before we let you go, we have to ask you the most important question. I should have put it in the beginning. Pineapple right. on pizza, yay or nay? No. All right. You are a return visitor. Okay. <laughs> so on that, Doc is sad, but it's okay. She'll get over it. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber and Doc Seska, I am J.R. Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom.